My particular purpose this morning is to bring the Word of God to you. And so if you have a Bible and you want to turn with me, I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to read from verse 11. Hebrews 10 and verse 11. The writer says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God. That's what I want to focus your attention on. I want to focus your attention on it this morning. But if I have opportunity, I'd focus your attention on it again this evening. I'd focus your attention on it next Sunday and the Sunday after and the Sunday after that. In the middle of May, I would focus your attention on that invitation to draw near to God. In August, September, October and November, I would still be asking you to do the same thing. Let us draw near to God. That's the invitation of the scripture, and it's an incredible one, especially when you think about the contrast with an Old Testament situation. Remember an occasion when Moses 
is in the backside of a desert. He sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not being consumed. It attracts his attention, and out of curiosity, he goes to look at this bush that's burning, but it isn't being consumed. And as he draws near, he stopped. God stops him, and he says, do not draw near. For the place that you're standing is holy. And Moses doesn't have a right to draw near to something that's holy. Because there is a barrier that's in the way. In the most glorious moment of Israel's history, God comes on Sinai. His glory descends. The mountain is filled with lightning and thunder and peals of smoke. The presence of God is powerful, but Israel is told, do not come near. Anybody who touches the mountain will die because you don't have a right to draw near to God. You can't just come to Him because there's a problem. There's a barrier. We're separated. The whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, is about this one thing, the opportunity to draw near to God. That's what the whole of the book's about. So in Genesis 3 and verse 8, what you'll read about is God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That utopian situation that Adam and Eve had been created into, they have the opportunity and an expectation. God walks in the same garden we do. We have direct and intimate fellowship with him. You come to the book of Revelation. And summing up what the future looks like, Revelation 21 talks about New Jerusalem, a heavenly city coming down out of heaven from God. Here's one of the primary descriptions of that. Verse 3 of Revelation 21 says, Now the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will be with them. It's all about direct, intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. It was always about direct, intimate fellowship with the creator of the universe. But because Adam and Eve sinned, fell in the garden, sin separated us from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 describes that your iniquities have separated you from God. And so in the Old Testament... There is a constant reminder. For 1,500 years, Israel have a reminder they're separated from God. Initially, it's in a tabernacle and then in a temple. And actually what the tabernacle and the temple did, if you think about it, is simply reminded people you have no right of access to the presence of God. 
The tabernacle in the wilderness has this particular room in it. It's called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place. There's a thick curtain that separates it from the rest of the tabernacle. It is the place where the Ark of the Covenant is. It's the place that represents the presence of God. It's where the Shekinah glory dwells above the ark. But you're not allowed there. You can never go in. You never have a right of access into his presence. And the tabernacle is replaced by a temple, a more permanent, glorious building. But that permanent, glorious building has this place the most holy place, and you can't go in. And it has a curtain that is 30 feet wide, 60 foot high, and four inches thick, and you don't get to go in there. On one day of the year, the Day of Atonement, the high priest, if he makes appropriate preparations cleanses himself sufficiently, goes in on our behalf. But when he gets in there, the smoke of the presence obscures his view of anything that he might see so that he's protected from getting too close to God. Tradition has it that when the high priest went in, there was a string tied to his ankle in case he died while he was in there because the only way they'd be able to get him out was to drag him back out because nobody could go in to the most holy place. And what the tabernacle and the temple, the most holy place, said to Israel for 1,500 years is, you don't have a right to draw near I make the point because the danger is we take for granted the most amazing privilege we have been given as New Covenant believers. The most amazing privilege that you and I have as Christians is this. You've been invited. Draw near. Come as close as you like to the almighty, eternal, all-knowing God. In fact, More than anything else, what God wants from you, the whole reason he has reached out to you is so that you would come near, so that you would know what it was like to share fellowship with him, so that you would be close to him, so that you would enjoy that closeness. Let me take a moment to say this to you. The initiative started with God. As soon as man was separated from God, By sin, God determined he would make a way. The whole issue of Christmas is we celebrate the fact God sent his son. God was making a way. God was sending a redeemer into the world. In Luke 9 and verse 14, we're told the son of man came to seek and to save. The initiative was with him. In John 6, we're told clearly, no man comes to me except the Father draws him. 
God has taken the initiative to come to draw us. He was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was coming to take away the obstacle of sin that divided us and to bring us into his presence. But for all of you in this room this morning who've committed your life to Jesus Christ, now the initiative rests with you. You can ask God all you like to draw near to you. But here's his word. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. James 4 and verse 8. The initiative is yours. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we are not kept out of the presence of God. You are not kept away from the Shekinah glory. The most amazing parts of the revelation of his character, nature, the most intimate places you can come to, you are no longer prohibited from. You're now absolutely invited and included to. You should have confidence to come by a new and living way opened up to us. Let us draw near. You see, the danger is we don't actually live in the intimate fellowship with God or enjoy the nearness of his presence in the way that he intended for us to do. Every one of you in 2018 will take time to call out to God when you're in trouble. It will happen. And please don't misunderstand me. He wants you to call on him when you're in trouble. And every time you call, he'll respond. Because that's the nature of God. But you can live a whole lot of your life ignoring the nearness of his presence. Not enjoying intimate fellowship with him. You can go through day after day not being near him. And when you call, he'll be there. The presence of God is our promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's taken the initiative. He's come. He's broken down a dividing wall. He's brought us into his presence. He's always there. But he's asking you to enjoy something more. An old American farmer was sitting in his pickup truck driving along the road. His wife 
on the seat at the other side. She looked across at him and she said, Honey, how come we don't sit so close as we used to? He looked back at her and he said, I'm not the one that's moved. He's still holding the steering wheel, sitting in the same seat. But there used to be a closeness, an intimacy, and the intimacy isn't the same anymore. The whole issue of our Christian life is not what you do for God. It's not about your service. It's not about your ministry. It's about enjoying His presence. It's about enjoying the sense of fellowship with Him. It's about knowing He's near you. Lots of commentators who speak to this particular passage talk about the importance of prayer and spiritual disciplines. An old divine called Andrew Murray writes on this verse, Let us draw near to God. In a book called The Holiest of All, this is what he says. Some speak as if the let us draw near meant prayer and that in our special approach to God in acts of worship, we enter the holiest of all. No. Great as this privilege is, God has meant something for us infinitely greater. We are to draw near and dwell always to live our life and to do our work within the sphere, the atmosphere of the inner sanctuary. It is God's presence that makes holy ground. God's immediate presence in Christ makes any place the holiest of all. And this is it into which we are to draw nigh and in which we are to abide. There is not a single moment of the day, there is not a circumstance or surrounding in which the believer may not be kept dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Let us draw near to God. And on this first Sunday of 2018, I want to say this is a year to draw near. Because that is God's primary purpose for you. It's what you were made for. To enjoy the sense of His nearness. It is not about the circumstances of this year. It's not about how blessed you'll be, how well the year will go, how good everything works out. It's about expecting to know Him better and better. It's about living your life with an expectation. Christ tore the veil. Not so that on Sundays I could come and break bread. Not so that on Sundays I could come and sing songs with some other people. But so that on a Wednesday afternoon I can sit in the car going from one place to another and immediately be in communion with God and know His nearness to me. 
that I can live at any moment of any day knowing he wants me to be near him. And he's invited me to draw near. And it is the expectation of him, take the initiative and draw near me. Come close. But you have to be intentional about that. You have to make the choice. I'm going to draw near to him. You're intentional with a sincere heart, the scripture says. Not out of hypocrisy. In Matthew, Jesus says, these people worship me with their lips. They draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's about being authentic. I can sin and draw near. It's not about not sinning. Please understand. It's about not pretending I'm something I'm not. So if I'm authentic about the fact, Lord, I failed. I sinned, I let you down. But I still have a right. Because by one sacrifice, you made perfect forever those who are being made holy. It's not my righteousness that gives me the right to draw near. But I need to do it without hypocrisy. It needs to be the priority of my life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. This year, what will your goals be? Is it to be advanced in one way and another in terms of your worldly position? Or is the priority of your life going to be to draw near to him? Because if I make that the priority of my life, everything else will get right on in behind it in its proper place and everything else will be added to me. Because I've made that the priority. Now I've said already, it's not about the circumstances that you go through. I'm not standing in front of you on the first Sunday of 2018 and saying everything's going to go gloriously for you this year. Everything will be perfect. Everything will work out well. But I can say confidently to you on the first Sunday of 2018, if you make a choice to draw near, everything will be glorious for you this year. Not because every circumstance is right, but you will know him better. That's the primary purpose of your life. You see, it's amazing to me that in the severest trials, you can know him better. Job. 
God says to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? There is nobody like him in all the earth. He fears God, he shuns evil. This man's already outstanding. But you know Job goes through the most incredible trials. The most significant challenges. This is the conclusion of that. In Job 42 and verse 5, he said, this is Job speaking, I had heard of you with my ears, but now my eyes have seen you. Job finds himself in a completely different place in his relationship with God, with an totally transformed understanding of who God is. But it's come through severe trial. If your intention, if you make the decision that the priority of your life this year will be to draw near, it doesn't matter that you go through trial because you'll be looking to draw near Him. And because you're looking to draw near Him, the promise of His word is He will draw near to you. That'll change your life. And you'll come out of everything with a different understanding of who God is. You see, you can go through times of incredible distress and come out with a different understanding of who God is. In Psalm 20, if you'd look at that for a moment, in verse 1 of Psalm 20, The psalmist says, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. Verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with his saving power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the living God. Now I know. But he's gone through the distress, the challenge of enemies coming against him. I'm going to say more about this this evening in a different context. But I don't know if you've ever thought about this. God is our refuge and our strength. I think Davy preached on it recently. Isn't that a lovely phrase? God is our refuge. 42 times the psalmist makes reference to the fact that God is our refuge. Why do you need one? Why do you need a refuge? unless you get into trouble, unless people are trying to come after you. It's all glorious, isn't it? God is our refuge and strength. Yes, he is. And the revelation 
of drawing near him in times when you need a refuge is what we're meant to be focusing on, not the get me out of trouble, God. Why has this happened to me? We can be very superficial in the way that we read the scripture. Why is it that 42 times the psalmist mentions the fact that God is a refuge? You're going to need one. But actually, if that's the f- where our focus is fixed, in 2018, what matters to me more than anything else is that I get nearer to him, that I draw near. That in times of incredible victory, I draw near to him. In times of joy and celebration, I draw near to him. In times that are utterly ordinary and mundane, I draw near to him. In times of sickness, I draw near to him. Naaman is a man who is smitten with leprosy. He comes, you know the story well, he eventually dips seven times in the Jordan. When he is healed of his infirmity that he has lived with for some time that's challenged his life in all sorts of ways, he comes back to the house of Elijah in order to say, now I know that there is no other God but the God of Israel. He has got to know something. How did it happen? It happened through sickness. God wants to draw near to you. But he's looking for you to take an initiative. And I can sing the old hymn, draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. But he's saying, if you would draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It'll happen. It doesn't happen because I sing a song. It happens because I take an initiative to obey his word. I draw near. This is a year for you to draw near. To find a level of relationship with God that is totally different than what we have known to this point in time. In prison and persecution, you can draw near. So the Apostle Paul is an old man. His effective ministry has been quashed, if you like. He's not able to plant new churches. He's not able to visit the churches and encourage the people that he has seen come to faith in Christ because he's in prison. And he writes to the Philippian church. He's in prison. He's an old man nearing the end of his life. And in Philippians 3 and verse 20... He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and so somehow to become like him in his death. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind listen to me, and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. And then he says this, and I urge all of you who are mature to take 
the same view of things. There are a few of you in here this morning who are mature and being polite. Some of you have walked with God a long time. You don't know it all. You have not exhausted the limits of the relationship God wants you to have with him. Because if the Apostle Paul, who had special revelations, who had extraordinary miracles done through him, who was caught up to the third heaven and saw things too awesome to speak about, is able to say, I want to know Christ. Didn't say, listen, I can't go and preach anymore. I feel a bit useless. I can't go and visit. His life wasn't about his ministry. His life was about a relationship with God. And what he wanted in a prison cell was to draw near. The circumstances of your life do not affect the intentionality of your will to draw near to him. And I'm asking you, pleading with you at the beginning of this year, set an intention, I'm going to draw near. And if it's good, I'm drawing near. And if it's bad, I'm drawing near. And if it's difficult, I'm drawing near. And when it's challenging, I'm drawing near. And when I don't understand what's going on, I'm drawing near. I'm looking for new understanding of Him. I'm looking for greater revelation of Him. I'm trying to get to know God. It'll change your whole year. And that's the call of God on our lives that we would draw near. You see, there is so much more that we haven't begun to plumb the depths of. So Paul writes to the Ephesian church, tells them how amazing it is that they have been chosen in him before the foundation of the earth, blessed with every spiritual blessing that there is in Christ Jesus. In love they have been adopted as his children. After having believed, they have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. They who are far away have been brought near. Now through them, God has chosen to make known to principalities and powers in the heavenly realms his manifold wisdom. He says all of that has happened in your life and God's doing great things according to his eternal purpose through you. For this reason, verse 14 of chapter 3, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name and I pray that he would strengthen you with might by his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ might dwell in your heart by faith. They're already saved. But there's a greater experience of him that you cannot stand unless you're strengthened with might by the Spirit in your inner being. And he can't teach them into it. It is an experience of God. And he says, you being rooted and established in love would have power together with all the saints to grasp the height, the length, the breadth and the depth of the love of God. Can you imagine that God might do that in Dundonald Elam this year? 
that we would get power through the Spirit together as a company of His people to grasp the height, the length, the breadth and depth of His love. Well, if we would choose to draw near, He's able to respond and draw near to us. What might God do as we do that? As corporately, we recognize there are some things that God does in a body of people. He doesn't say that as individuals you will have a greater revelation of his love, but that you would have power together with all the saints to grasp the height, length, breadth, and depth of the love of God, and so to be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Is that possible? Apparently it is. We haven't got it all. And however old you are, however long you've been in the way, you don't have it all. Let us draw near. That's the invitation of the scripture. And I want to urge you, this is a year to draw near. Truth is, every year is a year to draw near. But I want to say it like that so that it sticks in your mind. So that on a wet, windy Thursday in the middle of March, when things aren't going particularly well, something stirs you to remember this is a year to draw near. And with intentionality, I'm not standing back going, what are you doing, God? I'm saying I'm pressing into you. I'm going to do those things that are necessary for me to draw near to you, to give you the opportunity to draw near to me. That's my desire for you this year, that you would draw near. And we have opportunities like this to do that together, but it's about much more than that. This isn't about special moments in a meeting. This is about a way of life. This isn't about special devotional times that you might have. This is about being in the middle of your workplace, in the middle of a shopping trip, and living conscious of the fact that you and he have been given the opportunity to enjoy intimate fellowship, and you can enjoy the most holy place anywhere at any time. Amen. We're going to break bread together. Johnny and the team are going to come back to lead us in worship as we prepare to do that. Let me just remind you of the statement that the writer makes. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Let's stand and worship him.